I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Brendan Porath of SB Nation and Sean Martin of the PGA Tour as we get ready for this year's Players' Championship. Guys, welcome on. Thanks for having me. Andy, thanks for having us on again. I think last time we uh, connected, it was in, in real life in Augusta, but now we're here. Here we are a month later with an even bigger event on tap. Yeah, biggest event in golf, best field in golf, the players. Brendan went collared shirt for the pod. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just a fluke. I don't know. Walked in and uh, this is what I had on all day. So. <laughs> it's been uh, four weeks since the Masters. I feel like, it, it, you know, that part of the schedule just kind of, it, it's, a, it's a slog. Not a ton of buzz in golf. What have you guys taken away? You've been you've been watching a lot? No. I think like the Masters will like it's this is not a complaint about my job. My job is amazing. But the Masters and the weeks leading into the Masters are like prepping for like a law school final or just the final, like a really hard final. It's very enjoyable like that week. But once you're done, you just kind of unplug you don't think about whatever all that stuff you were just studying and writing and caring about reading and watching and from my perspective i mean obviously it's my job i watch the golf and i like follow and know what's going on but it's just kind of like you you kind of just decompress and let go and uh satoshi kodaira kodaira um andrew landry and then like the piercy horschel kind of run didn't exactly do much to kind of pull you back in yeah, I I agree. And even with this new team format, I don't know why I can't get into the Zurich, even with the team format. I I honestly think that it's because the golf course is so bad. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised at that take on a Pete Dye course. You tried to argue. I've tried to make that argument. You're like, oh, it's not that bad. I think... It crystallized. I- you know, as I... <laughs> I went for a run. It's a, right it's a good stretch. It's a good stretch for die aficionados with Harbor Town, TPC Louisiana, TPC Sawgrass. I, I went for a run this afternoon, and I was honestly thinking I was listening to No Laying Up podcast, and I heard Tommy Fleetwood refer to like a string of PGA Tour events, and he said Riviera, and I thought about it. I go like the really good events we refer to as like the have like a course that's really good and. A lot of times the tournament get, gets just called the course, like Riviera, yep. like Harbor Town, and like nobody is saying like TPC Las Colinas, like when I was there yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, hey, this week this week's event, the TPC Louisiana. <laughs> Everyone says this with the Zurich. You know, Colonials the same way. Colonials always, yeah, they've Pebble, always had Pebble trouble Beach. with that because yeah, 
It's I'm curious where I need to know where you stand with Pete Dye's uh, catalog right now, because I was very surprised by the tenor of your uh, Black Wolf run and Whistling Straight tweets this week. I like Pete Dye. I think Pete Dye was an intro. He was so important in architecture, and I think he really gets strategy. But like, yeah, Whistling Straits offended me yesterday. It was so slow. It was just. It was unbelievable, and I uh, Black Wolf Run. I like Black Wolf Run a lot more. Black Wolf, Wolf Run's way more natural. I think. I think just like the nature of designing this golf course for a resort, like, and I know that they wanted major championships, but just because you want a major championship it doesn't mean your golf course needs to be completely unplayable for everybody. Like David Kidd on my podcast said. Oakmont is the most playable golf course in the world for an 18 handicap. There's no force carries. Bogies are readily available if you want to make bogeys. Like at Whistling Straits, it is so hard for like a regular golfer. It is insane to me. And that's why at a minimum, a good paced round takes five hours. Yeah, I've never played Whistling Straits, but I really don't have any desire to. It just looks so hard. I remember- Can I just say we're, we're really on brand here about four minutes into the pod. We're talking about Black Wolf Run, the Players' Championship preview. Hey, we didn't bring and up Jenny. We didn't bring up Jenny. Jenny. And Chris nope. O'Connell coaching Tony Romo. But- we could, we could <laughs> go back to uh, we could go back to Jenny Shashiraporn and uh, contention at the Women's Am, or let Women's me, Open. Let me just say one more thing. So my buddy set this whole thing up, and I was like, yeah, I'll play I you know I didn't set this up, <laughs> but anyways I was looking at the tee sheet in the morning, but while I was driving up and I saw six hours between our tee times at the two <laughs> courses, and I was like, what are we gonna do? Get get like a big lunch? Like I was like, and sure enough, we like got off the course and they're like, we're gonna be late for our tee time because it, <laughs> it took so long to play. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work. And this was what what what, they, what was it a Sunday? Sunday. Sunday afternoon, Sunday yeah. morning. We played at like 9.40 on a Sunday, and it took five and a half hours. That's, but whatever. It, Scenic. It, all right. Mo- moving on to a better, uh, I don't I don't know. It's a, it's a, both are very good championship tests of golf, but going, getting back to Sawgrass in l- the last couple of weeks. So we returned to the site of, uh, the big woo-woo, see Woo Kim's triumph last year. You guys see a repeat happening? Is uh is see Woo to you as Hideki is to me? I feel like you're you're bit, you're driving the see Woo bandwagon. Oh, I love see Woo. After I watched him last year, I I fell in love with like his golf game. I mean, like the guy's 21 years old and he doesn't speak English and he's won twice. And he was the youngest player ever to get his PGA Tour card. Like he had yeah. to wait it's... to play in events because he was too young to play on the tour. I mean, like that gets forgotten. Yeah, especially because it was five years ago. Then he won on the Web t- Tour at age eighteen. He won on the PGA Tour at nineteen and twenty, or no? no I guess twenty he and twenty one. Twenty and twenty one. So he won on the Web when he was nineteen. I, I think I, I think I saw I think I saw C. Will was uh, like plus ten thousand to win to repeat. I mean, this is like a really, really hard venue to kind of back it up. And get no one has ever repeated. Yeah, not even win, but I'm talking about contend. Sergio seems to be pretty consistent. There are a couple others, but like 
it's pretty hard to kind of make noise two years in a row, especially after you won. You've got all those obligations, you know, like giving the club to the clubhouse and being kind of the face of the tournament and the ads and signing all the ho- all the autographs, kissing the babies. I don't know if Siwoo's going to be that kind of brand man this year, but um, yeah, it's hard to repeat. It's hard to even contend in a comeback. Definitely. He chipped and putted like a demon. I was looking at the stats. He uh, he hit 19 greens on the weekend. He made one bogey. Uh, he had 49 putts. Like it was, I mean, he was going to run from everywhere. It was insane. It was incredible. I mean, he was he was so good. But I mean, he's had a good year this year. He's had, he's got three top tens already this year. Yeah, he's turning in the right direction. He's you know last year right before the players he'd start working with Sean Foley and that was the story. Now he's working with Andrew Getson. Uh, and Josh Gregory, he's got two guys he's working with. And so it seems to be working, though. I mean, before Harbortown, he was second to last this year in strokes gain putting. So the fact that he's even making cuts doing that uh, is pretty incredible. Putting is say, a little bit. Say that again? Who's he Go with? Uh, Andrew Getson, who works with Phil. Oh, Hill. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. And then Josh Gregory. And uh, Josh Gregory, the performance coach. Yeah, short game and performance. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Article on PJTour.com right now uh, details all of that. Oh. Is that by you? That is by myself. Uh, uh, sounds like you're here. Your beat. You're all over that. <laughs> Him and Phil are trading secrets. You know? But I mean, like, given like what you're talking about, you said he's had like a pretty good year comparatively to last year. I mean, he had done very little and was hurt. But like plus 10,000 seems a little out of whack, you know, for the defending champ. You just figure. I mean, I can't imagine there's a ton of public money rushing in on him, but the, the odds just seemed a little off for a defending champ. And a guy who's had a good year. Sure. Yeah. I, I just don't. Th- I, I don't think anybody. It, it, it's only five. What is it? Five guys, Sean, that have won back. Five, uh, five that five have won guys, twice. Yeah. And four of them had to wait 10 years or more between wins. Only Steve Elkington was six years between wins. I don't know what that means or what that says, but uh, not many guys win twice. When they do, they're pretty far spaced out. One of those guys is the big cat. Tiger Woods. What do you uh, uh, what do you guys expect from him this week? Is he playing? Uh, I I think he'll be okay. Uh, only because he's hitting it well enough. He was top twenty strokes gained off the tee and approached the green last week. He did just putt horribly. I you know it's not a course where he has great memories or great you know great record for he's won twice, but I mean for Tiger that's nothing. So I don't know. We're looking at probably like a twenty seventh place finish. Twenty seventh. I think that's, yeah, I think he's hitting the ball well, right? I mean, the iron play wasn't horrendous yesterday. I heard Peter Costas on the broadcast, this is Wells Fargo, say something about like he'd only hit five or six balls inside 10 feet all all week. But, I mean, I think his strokes gained approach, strokes gained overall tee to green was pretty good. Obviously, his putting was just horrible. Hopefully, they get him running. I, I would love to see um, a recreation of that debacle in twenty. What was it 2016 when they lost the greens and they were like glass? Kucher was talking about how they're frictionless. You'd put your putter down and it would slide off. Ken, the Ken Duke round? Yeah, the Duke round. The Duke I'd round. love to see that because we know Tiger just hates slow greens, can't figure it out. What if they just like tricked him up, made him like glass again for Tiger? Becky shot 67 that day. Many people forget. <laughs> yeah, your boy Hideki is about to fall out, out of the top 10. But hey, you I know. know t- it's a- rough times you know tiger the thing i think with tiger is like he's the quintessential like hasn't put it all together yet 
He's had like tournaments where he's putted it great. He's had tournaments where he's chipped it great. He's had tournaments where he's hit his irons great. And now like last week was the yeah. first tournament where he really drove it well. And yeah. when you're when you're coming back from a long layoff, that's what golf is. It takes a lot of time to get everything back and working together at once. Like I think he's I think this is all part of uh not to take the 76ers the uh the process. We got to trust the process here and we could be in for a uh, a big week. I don't I don't like this course for him, but yeah. I think a a big week soon from him where where he wins. I mean, he he hasn't had a, a week where he did everything well yet. It is good for him in that he can hit a lot of two irons. And, and actually, I pulled up his record. I'm actually surprised he has nine top twenty fives and seventeen starts here, five top ten. So it's actually a little. But I mean, even during his prime years of like. You know, 2000, 2001, he went second and first. But after that, he was a lot of 11s and 12s. And, I mean, those were years when he was playing some pretty good golf. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strong – it's a solid record there. But for Tiger, you know, anything less than a win is – It's such a relative scale for a venue he plays, like, every single year. You just – you expect it to be Doral, Firestone. Right. Tor- it's so weird. So our kind of frame of reference is so out of whack. Like, oh, he hasn't – you know, doesn't have that great record here because he's only won it twice, and we know he's played it every year on the schedule. It's kind and of don't crazy. forget the '94 U.S. Amateur either. Yeah, yeah. Why, the straw well, hat. Why do you guys think he hasn't played as well here as he has at other courses? I think one reason is just hard to play well here. I mean, you know, you're always one swing away from just ruining your week. That's definitely part of it. I think. Yeah, I think that's you know he he did get he was more wild off the tee, obviously in that kind of back half of his career. And it you lets know? more guys into it. So like when he won in 2001, right before he finished the tiger slam at the masters, he was playing in the final group with Jerry Kelly. So you're just playing with a strong field at a course that kind of lets anyone who's playing well contend, no matter their playing style. So like you have tiger woods, you have Jerry Kelly staring tiger woods down eye to eye going to the final round. And so I think that too, just makes it hard to, there's just so many guys who can win at this golf course. It doesn't really eliminate one style of play. And so that makes it harder to win yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Sean. I think uh, it, it doesn't really favor one style of play. You look down the list of winners and you got your ball strikers, obviously, with like Sergio Stenson. Um, but then you also have guys like, you know, Siwoo Kim, who won only hitting 19 greens on the weekend because his short game was good and he didn't make any big mistakes. I mean, Poulter, runner-up last year, he's not, you know, long. He's a good iron player, a good putter. But you got Jim Furyk has been a runner-up here. You've got all kinds of different players. I mean, Fred Funk. It's uh, eclectic styles of play. I love Phil. He won here, and he has three top tens in 24 starts, and he won in 20, or 2007. He just switched to Butch, and he's like, you know, I just – I played this really controlled fade. I didn't swing as far back as I normally do. It's really a way I should play more often. And then, of course, that lasted like a week. And then uh, and then he went back to his old style of play. But it's like this guy has an epiphany to win at a golf course as he plays horribly and just can't stick with it long enough. He finds something new two weeks later to work on. Mm-hmm. Do you think we, you know, it, I don't think there hasn't been as many obscure winners, but there is kind of a run. Uh, where people are like, oh, you know, you get a lot of fluky winners here. Do you think it's because the field is so deep and there aren't any, you know, amateurs or club pros or, you know, older past champions in the field? The May winners list has been really strong. I think some of the fluky years were the years that, like, 
the rough yeah. got really long in March. Yeah. yeah, I would say like since the move to May, it's really been kind of a, a murderer's row, mostly major champions, I guess, aside from Siwoo, Ricky. Um, but yeah, I think like it's a lot of like legit guys who are probably in the top 10 in the world, close to the top 10. You know, Siwoo was the first departure from that run. I think the switch to May, I think, yeah, because it's, there are no amps, club pros, anything like that. It, the Masters, what I mean, once you make the cut, there's, <laughs> it's not a lot of guys. It's not, you know, you're go, you're bound to get four or five, at the, you know, inside the top fifteen in the world, kind of probably hanging around. It's just a smaller field and easier to get to get in the mix there. Not easier, but you know what I mean. It's it's there's less depth. Um, I just think. Yeah, you're going to get a guy that maybe the casual fan has never heard of. Or, or certainly in March, you get a Stephen Ames or Fred Funk, players like that that maybe you know are not <laughs> the big names that that the tour is promoting in a featured group nowadays. But it, it's such a deep field that those guys can come out. Come and we all we all as golf nuts who watch this week to week aren't surprised. But maybe if you're just tuning in because you know it's a big event, you might be. Yeah, I think there were a few years they grew the rough out too thick, but I think yeah. March, will, March will be good, I think. But there were just a couple years they let it get a little too hairy. So what will that switch it from Bermuda to, like, oversee a rye? It'll be oversee. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of that, Andy? Uh, I don't know. I, I, think, I don't think it'll, it's that big of a difference. I, I mean, I think... I. I don't, people look into the, they put the grass so much. I I really think it, it's overstated. Yeah. In, in the sense, like whoever plays well is going to play well. Obviously, like I I think with the greens it makes a bigger difference, but the greens are still going to be Bermuda. You know, right. like Kevin Kisner on Bermuda greens is always like a good pick. I think putting on Bermuda is different, but they aren't going to be changing the grass on the greens that it'll be. No, you know, I think this... Bermuda rough is a challenge for some guys. It's tricky. Uh, I think anyone can play bent. I think bent is most guys know how to play that, but Bermuda is definitely tricky mm-hmm. to chip out of. Do you guys think we'll get a winner inside the top 10 or outside the top 10 this week? Numbers would say outside. Yeah. Uh, I'm big on Bryson this week. I am too. Oh. Huge. Oh my god. I'm, really? I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not even messing with you. I'm not even like a, even a, a, a joke for Brendan. This is. I'm big on Bryson. I am too. This is a, Why? It's a perfect course for him. He can hit those kind of stingers that he likes to hit. Yeah. He's very cerebral. He's playing really well. He made triple on his third hole at Quail Hollow and finished fourth. He he uh, made he, a double and a triple at Harbor Town and finished second. Yeah, I mean the guy. Well, third he missed third. But yeah, uh, but like three top fours in his last three starts, and I don't know. It just seems it's a placement golf course. It's all about you know strokes gain, approach the green. I just it feels very Brysony. I I completely agree. He I I believe he's a guy that's gonna play well regularly at difficult golf courses. He hits it really well. Like if you were gonna say there's one weakness in his game, it's you know on the and around the greens. Um, I, I don't like him trying to hit shots with those single length irons around the greens it's really awkward to watch, but I like, I think this is a place where, you know, he can be, he's so certain, like he can be so surgical when he's on with like where he hits it and he's got a game plan, he sticks to it. And he, I think he's a guy that kind of understands how to play proper golf. He's not a bomb and gouger. He kills it though. 
I mean, he's got all the skills. I think he this is the perfect kind of setup for him. Difficult golf courses. 14th and strokes gain off the tee, 17th and strokes gain approach the green. Might as well just book it, to be honest. He's This is Bryson's week. Winning score looks like the last, I don't know, since May, it's always kind of around just in double, double figures, 12, 13 under. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting, the, the point. I was going to make a point that, like, once he gets the big number, he just becomes, like, this, you know, freak and checks out, and they're, you know, freaks out about it, but... You know, he's talking about the doubles and triples and quail and Harbortown and, and still kind of clawing his way back. That that's uh, that kind of runs against my you know, supposition that he, he, he doesn't handle the big numbers all that well because it throws off the, the calculation. So, so as well, I- let's let's hear it. You're the one guy who's not on the Bryson train. What, what's your take? I haven't considered him yet. I mean, I think he's playing extremely well, but yeah, I'm, this is music to my ears. I'm gonna have to dive into this more. I'm, I'm all about it. It makes sense that, you know, he would. It, he's a rookie, though, right? It's his first, first run, first, he, first he's try. A, he's a rookie nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's played. He's played this round more times than anybody in the field. <laughs> <laughs> he did play. Yeah, he did play Augusta. Like, 45 times before he played it as an AM had more practice than like speed. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he's a rookie. That would give me pause, but I, I, I love the pick when you're talking about positional golf and, and kind of playing that approach, approach shot game. That's his specialty. I love it. So he plays well at Harbor town, high correlation to TBC sawgrass. Yeah. You got all here. Top five. He's got he, top fives, two out of three years at Harbor town. You know, yeah. as, as a rookie and uh, and this year. So, what uh, outside of uh, Bryson? You know, we're at the kind of halfway mark, halfway ish mark of the 2018 calendar season. Who has really impressed you um, that you kind of didn't see coming this year on the tour? Uh, I'm going to say, this is going to sound obvious, but hear me out. I'm going to say Patrick Reed and not that he came out of nowhere to win the masters, but he's got five straight top tens now, uh, in the midst of, you know, wins, wins the masters in the midst of that. Uh, you know, obviously a lot came out after the masters about the family situation and, you know, he's gotten some blowback about wearing the green jacket all over the place, which is ridiculous that people criticize him for that. But that is dumb. I don't, I don't really understand that. And I don't necessarily, I'm not a huge Reed fan, but like, I don't understand that. Why that just that's just like the read kind of stigma. Why are people are mad about that? Because Phil, a lot of guys, Everyone that's not a, people were actually mad about that. I think it was mostly that Rockets game. He was in his he was in his green jacket, which you know that was whatever a week, two weeks after it happened. And I don't. I think there was like a lot of like NBA fans who just don't understand or casual sports fans who don't follow golf that understand like the masters winner wears his green jacket everywhere for a year. Yeah, but I, I, sure, I, I think Kyle Porter does a good job of putting kind of careers and trajectories in perspective. And we're looking at a guy who's 27. He has six tour wins, a major, uh, he's playing really good golf right now. I just think that, um, you know, he went through some equipment struggles last year and you go out to the PJ has finished second and first in the last two majors. You know, he got his equipment struggles sorted out. Um, and what about the really vision? What about the vision thing? Yeah, that was and then he yeah, that was crazy. thing on us. That was so. Now his vision straight down. He's got the clubs he likes, and he's on a tear. And he's in the top ten. He's closing in on his top five. 
I don't understand why any of these guys wear contacts. They just get lazy. I don't. Even, I don't even understand it. If Harmon had his wife run contacts or somebody run a contacts out to him in the middle of the round at Qualhalla. I don't understand the laser, it. Once look at the laser and you're out. You're retired. <laughs> That's then you're getting the AK, Anthony Kim insurance money. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, uh, I Patrick Reed's got a better career than Ricky Fowler. Like, yeah, he's uh, he hasn't been as consistent as Fowler, but. It's such an interesting debate. Do you do you favor wins or do you favor the consistency? Ricky's been more consistent in his career, but Reed's got more wins in a major now. Like, what what do you think, Sean? Or do you do you, does Ricky have a major? Um, I think he gets one eventually. But yeah, I think I think Reed he goes through consistent stretches. He's definitely more inconsistent than Ricky. But I mean, even like right now, I mean. I don't know. I think that I'm curious to see how long this run of top tens and playing really well runs out. Cause it seems like it could, you know, most guys would play the masters. They'd come back and you know, they wouldn't play good. They've been off, you know, enjoying the spoils of the victory, but he comes back and he plays well at Zurich with Cantlay. And then he finishes eighth at Wells Fargo. So the guy like doesn't even give himself a chance to rest. You know, Sergio had kind of an off year for the most of the year after winning the Masters. Patrick Reed just comes right back in and starts kicking in teeth again. He plays like, 35 times a year, too. Maybe he, played, maybe he won't this year, but he it's crazy how much he plays. He just loves golf, man. <laughs> so what? how do you think that translates to this week? The way, I mean, he's obviously in form. Well, he's not a good, I mean, he's not the kind of guy, you know, he's not, iron play is not his strength. Uh, he's a guy who hey, grinds, chips this was, and putts well. This was pre-helicopter finish. That's true. <laughs> I love the story behind the helicopter finish. Apparently his swing coach told him he was trying to hit a fade and he couldn't do it. And he's like, look, do whatever you have to do to hit a fade for me. And so he makes that swing and he's like, all right, do that in, in tournaments now. And he's like, no, he's like, there's no way he had to be talked into bringing the helicopter finish out in public. Cause he was too, uh, he's a little ashamed of it, I guess, but it obviously works. What about Brendan? Who have you been uh, impressed by? I, uh, I kind of like Luke list, you know, I, I love, what he's done this season. Uh, if you're talking about a guy's maybe not one or, or, or maybe not as high profile as some of the guys at the very top of the world rankings, I think it's been cool to watch him. He's been kind of, you know, he was an elite ant, like a, 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 you know, a high ranked prospect and all that. And then, you know, wandered a bit in the wilderness and takes kind of a totally different approach, lives out in LA. Right. I, I think like, I don't know. He's been cool to watch and, and follow, whether it was the Honda or WGC's sneaking in there. Um, but yeah, first half of the season, I, I've enjoyed watching him. He's like, I don't know why we frame everything in like Ryder Cup talk, but it's kind of a, a measuring stick. He's in the top 15 in the standings. I mean, it should tell you enough that he's what kind of form he's had over the last you know year, certainly this season. I feel like List is one of those guys and. I think we've lost this a little bit with the generation of young players, but like when you look at a guy and how he's progressed from year to year, like he's yeah. gotten like a lot better as a player every year, more consistent. You see him on more and more leaderboards, like especially the last three years. And then this year, I mean, he's so close to winning for the first time. Um, and I mean, he's 32, I think. Uh, so not a young guy, but absolutely mashes the ball, but he's one of the rare guys that you Really, you know, this used to be the reg. You used to see this all the time, where guys would progress year after year after year, and then finally break through in their early thirties. 
versus now today we're so conditioned for the early 20s win sure yeah it's and i've been like digging into ncaa a little bit even more it's just crazy how fast and how competitive those guys how how, how just deep it is how how, how many of these young guys are going to start winning it's only going to get even more intense i think just these 20 year olds and contending and you know, whoever it is, Braden Thornberry or now it's Sam Burns, players like that just kind of popping up on leaderboards over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it used to be just getting your card at 24 was a big deal. Right. Now it's like, well, it's great to get your card, but you haven't won yet. So it's like, like, eh. Yeah. Impressed with uh, Jason Day. Yeah. Coming back. Two wins. He's so good. His, I guess I, the thing that you wonder about is like the putter everybody's like oh you know like he had that historically great putting stretch when he went on that run in 2016 and then you know he hasn't missed inside five feet all year this year I mean I think he's just like a really good putter I had a I had a buddy who's who's good friend who I I wouldn't call him a buddy he's an acquaintance you know uh I hope he, he's not listening yeah I don't know if he listens he probably isn't uh, he like he caddied at uh, Vintage Club, which is where Day practiced, and, and yeah. he said that Day like you know how Day said he like took the whole he hadn't played golf in like four months or whatever that, that one right. Day. Well, he's like yeah that he hadn't played, but he spent like seven hours a day on the practice green, you know, and chipping. So like that, I mean, like I think that's where he works and spends so much time, like. He's got that unreal distance, so he's got an elite skill with the driver and then around the greens and on the greens. I think his his short game is underrated, how good it is. It's so good. No buddy of his is uh, Tiger Woods. Text him for a big game, for a big round. Really? For a big event. He always gets a text from Tiger, and you hear about it every time. That's that pretty, he got a text from I hadn't actually hadn't heard that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's nice of uh, Tiger. It's pretty neat that Jason Day is buddies with him. <laughs> Jason Day, he hit 41 greens last week out of 72. Huh. Short game, huh? Short game. He's, 100, he's 169th this season in strokes gain approach, and he's won twice and hasn't finished outside the top 25 in a stroke so, event. Sean, how do you like him this week? I don't. Oh. You got to hit, hit the irons well. I think I looked it up. Ten of the last fourteen players winners were in the top ten of strokes gained approach for the week. Uh, only one of those fourteen was outside the top twenty. You got to hit your irons well here. Can't be grinding all day. Do you think Hideki's going to break out of his slump this week? I'm worried, man. It's not 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 good. Is he hurt? Is he still injured? What, what's the what's the problem? He's no, just I, kind I of try- figuring it out. Yeah, I try to get a little inside info from Bob whenever I see him. And, you know, he, he played pretty bad the first round at Wells Fargo. Uh, Bob, just, Bob, do people know who Bob is, the listeners? Yeah. Sorry, Bob, Bob Turner, Hideki's translator. I don't, I don't okay. know who Bob is. Oh, yeah, Bob Turner. <laughs> Bob Vance. Right. You know, he shot on first round 77. He said just a couple bad breaks led to some big numbers. He shot 68 in the second round, but then he MDF'd at Whale, you know, where he should play well. He played with JT, PGA on Sunday. Uh, I don't know, man. I think. I think he took the PGA loss kind of hard, and you know, then he, I don't know if the wrist injury is still a thing. I don't know. I need to get deeper into this, but do you his think, last? Do you think he feels any pressure from the rise of Satoshi? 
I'm trying to look. Uh, his lat the PGA's his last top ten in a full field event in the United States. Yeah, that was that was a pretty uh, it's quite a non sequitur diversion from Andy's <laughs> Andy's inquiry about Satoshi. I think he welcomes uh, the chance to have another countryman on the President's Cup team here. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering when the question's going to shift from can Hideki win to can Satoshi win? How far away are we from that? I don't know. How has he followed it up? I haven't, has he played since uh, Valero? I think this since, is a, uh, it's, his, it's his first start as a full member of the PGA Tour this week. Saving it for uh, for the home of the tour. He's I just think... a die guy now. Only plays dies from now on. I think Satoshi can play. Like, really oh, remember, play. oh, yeah. You want to remember playing in Japan? He finished T32 at the Crowns wow. uh, two weeks after Heritage. He, he can a, play. He had a lot of distractions that week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why Yang was your champion by four? Wow, that is. You see now, Brendan, we we have diverted. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true diversion. The crowns, I love the crowns. Talking about. <laughs> so if you, if you look at some of those like J- Japanese tour and Asian tour leaderboards and and like results, it's like a treasure trove. Oh, Amazing, yeah. like blast from the past. All right, welcome to my Monday. <laughs> God. So uh, uh, who's been uh, who's disappointed you guys uh, this year? Mm. Likewise, Hideki. that same question, Hideki. Besides Hideki, well, yeah, that's not his answer, but definitely Hideki. I hope he's not listening. Uh, Sergio, I don't know. I expected a little bit more from Sergio. I, he's been, you know, he's throwing his clubs in the woods, you know. Got, but whatever, he's married, having kids. I know how that goes when you just you have a newborn kind of eject uh, from the rest of the world, the rest of your life. You got to get your house in order and kind of hang out with your family. But I don't know. I just thought Sergio kind of when he cracked the code of finally getting a major would I don't know, be more regularly in contention. But also it's understandable that once you crack the code to a major, you kind of hang out and maybe regress a little bit. We've seen Bubba do that. I don't know. It's not necessarily unexpected, but I, I just, I, I thought he would be doing more and doing more uh, with more consistency. Uh, Adam Scott's definitely in some trouble as well. Yeah. yeah. Trouble. Working with Gigi swing tips. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed in Ted Potter. I mean, the guy has missed, missed five straight <laughs> cuts after he won. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, I would say that I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed in Matt Fitzpatrick. You know, he has he hasn't gotten off to a start. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. You know, he's won every year of his his pro career. I'm, I'm waiting for him to break out. And you know, it's still early in the season. He could get hot, and I, I feel like this could be a good venue for him. He just hasn't been playing very well. You think Hazeltine? He still has a a Hazeltine hangover. He's still scarred. Man, no. he got, that was, it was interesting. Interesting to observe him that week. He was kind of like, he was like a fan just along for the ride. Well, didn't he sit out the entire first day? Yeah. I mean, uh, if it wasn't the first day, I think it was. He sat out a lot. And then him and Chris when, Wood, right? Yeah. Then when he did play, he got smoked. I hate to be so America centric, but I would. For me, with Fitzpatrick, like I need to see it in America a little bit. 
it's a huge disparity between his his results in Europe and his results in America. Well, you know, he's a legend at Northwestern. He did it did it in America there. He yeah, won, he was there for he 10 won weeks. A, he won a USAM. He's done plenty in America. That's not That's played true. overseas, Sean. At an architecturally went? significant course like Brookline over Corey Connors. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's yeah. right. So uh, who uh, who you got this week? Who would you uh, pick? I, it's always a crapshoot. I, I feel like... I'm literally... So outside Bryson, I'm all in on Bryson. I'm not even kidding. But outside of that is Henrik. He's like the one guy who has a consistently good record at TBC Sawgrass. What about Big Leash? Mm. You took my guy. Stenson was the guy I was going to no, say. You, you can have him. I'll take, I'm, I'm firmly planted in Bryson land. You can have Stenson. What's that? <laughs> What's happened to Norin? How's he doing? He's not. He kind of fell off, right? He, yeah. he was not good at the Masters. I know that. Just the cut of quail, but I mean, he hits that low bullet fade. I don't think quail that that quail setup is not a good match for him. He played well at last year's players. Uh, he was, I want to say, he was involved late Sunday, but let's yeah, say he, last at last year's players. Last year he finished uh, tenth. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, that could be a good pick. I'm a, uh, I'm gonna roll. I I think Paul Casey. Good pick. He, he doubled the first hole Sunday. He's such a stud. I mean, finally got that win. Like this guy, like listen to this. So let's see. Starting this year, Abu Dhabi, he finished T ninth, T eighth, T forty ninth, T twelfth, first, seventeenth, fifteenth, MC fifth. Like that's you know, I feel like he just he's like the most consistent player and on tour. He, I think not- I think he really is. Uh, just... That's why he's number one in the Sagarin rankings. <laughs> do you think the Sag- I, Do you think the Sagarin rankings are a better ranking than the Peach uh, than the World Golf rankings? I think the Sagarin slightly undervalue victories, uh, and but I do I definitely give them some weight. I mean, I think when you had Paul Casey at number one over Justin Thomas, uh, that was a little tough to swallow, but. I think that I think they're good. I think they definitely deserve some some weight. What about Bo Hostler? Looking at some of the rookies. Uh, no, no. My big big value pick, uh, Francesco Molinari. Yeah. Top tens the last three years. I hit a dead straight. He'll never see a hazard. He he just like never wins. I yeah. feel like he contends in the sense of like he finishes high, but he's never threatening like you're never worried about him winning he's the king of he pops up saturday you know he tees off saturday an hour ahead of the leaders makes two birdies in the first hole all of a sudden he's in fifth place and you're like oh shoot francesco's in the field this week i forgot to pick him that's that's my weekly uh francesco molinari experience is he going to be on the Ryder cup team uh i don't i don't think so i don't no i don't think so he's 30th in the world he's definitely got a i mean i'm sure he's getting a look yeah yeah, I think it's going to be guys who win. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can do it. I think Bryson's going to Bryson's going to torch Paris. It's going to be great. I wish Paul. <laughs> I wish Paul Dunn was in the field. Why don't they, you know, extend some invitation to some Europeans playing well? Uh, uh, you, you can get in by being top fifty in the world ranking. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds just like the PGA Tour to do that. Sorry, there weren't any world ranking points at the uh, event with the dancing six mascot. Wait, 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 wait. Are we going to talk about... We're talking about the players. I don't think the players should point 
point its guns at anything else for being having a bunch of contrivances around the golf part of golf part of the event. Right. We're getting, we're getting off topic. I'm, I'm just not a big mascot guy. We got we to gotta stay on brand, Brendan. All right. All right. Speaking of like the Euro Tour, kind of, they've really gotten past. There was like that that moment there where like the Euro, the top Euro guys were like, the hell with this. You remember that? Like 2011, Rory just skipped it. He's like the one of the, like the, you know, this supernova superstar. Just decided not to play because he had like the Volvo match play in Spain the next week, and Lee Westwood, Westwood, your your old friend, number one in the world at the time, just took a pass. Like it was interesting. Like that that whole like tension and dynamics pretty much faded and gone away, and the players is ascended, and it's not really a question if you're top fifty, you really play. But that was always like an interesting time. Imagine like Rory just saying, nah. Not gonna play it. I wonder what would happen if the Euro Tour moved one of its like uh, Rolex Series events opposite the the players. Uh, I don't think they would do much, except for maybe those guys in like the thirty to fifty range of the world rankings who are also on the Euro Tour. Yeah, which, like Fitzpatrick, Molinari, Alex Levy, or something like that. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, but it, that was. Go ahead. On a great run. Sorry, I'm saying Paul Dunn is on a great run. By the way, I I feel I want to rescind. I want to take back my take, and I feel like I disrespected Paul Dunn. That's that's that. You're you're a big man for rescinding and taking back a, a bad take because that that was fifth, unnecessary. Fifth in Punta Cana. I love that he that he went to Punta Cana, even though you know there's WGC that week. I give him credit for going to an opposite field event. Uh, TA in Houston, second in the Spanish Open, miscut, and then seventh in Volvo China Open, and then of course wins. Sixes. I mean, da- Danny Willett's in the field. Give him Willett's spot. Wow, I didn't know that. He's playing. Yeah, he's teeing wow. teeing it up at eight sixteen with uh, Gribble and Hoffman. Hmm. What do you guys think about those pairings that the tour rolled out? You know, you were being. Uh, was it Sean or you that was being critical of the Masters pairings? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't recall that. I don't recall that the masters. I'm not critical of the masters parents. I don't think they don't, they don't, they don't give you this though. They always make sure they put like, they will never give you like two of the top five, six, seven names in the same group. They always give you kind of a you know, they throw an international guy, like maybe an amateur, like they never do these like power trios. Like, like we're getting this week. The Masters is always big on like the two thirds of a group. You like you get yeah. one name and you're like, oh, like, gosh, we're like one name away from just a supernova of a group. But even that second name is like not, you know, it's, it's like column B kind of name. It's a great name for like golf nerds like us. Like it's wow, that's awesome. But like it's still not the top. Isn't it's not like there's like a column A that's like ten guys. And none of them are in the same threesome. Isn't that kind of better though? Because yeah, then they can then they can take they can shoot away from the you know that group occasionally. Like I feel like when you get these super groups, it's all you see. You don't see anything else. Yeah. What do you think about what do you think about the uh, the Sunday kind of rollout of these super groups? They just said these guys are playing together. We don't have a time yet, but they're playing together. I just I love the fact that the only uh, time Tiger and Phil have played at TBC Sawgrass was the better than most round. Yeah, which which yeah. outside of better than most, like you got to remember, like 
2001 players, like, Tiger is on the verge of completing the Tiger Slam. It's like peak Tiger. He On 11, the par 5, he flags some long iron to, like, a foot, makes eagle. He fist pumps on 16 after making this long birdie putt. And then on 17, he makes the better than most putt. Like, the context gets lost. And not to insert myself into this, but I asked Phil on Sunday, like, what do you remember about that round? And he just got, like, stone-faced. And he's like, all I remember is that that was a tough time for me playing against him. <laughs> he was like, oh, he was like, really? Really? It was like bringing back bad memories of just getting kicked in the face by Tiger in 2000, 2001. Well, I mean, and it's whatever. It's This is like the talking point that the tour wants you to hit on because of this. It's like, but it does speak to the depth of where, like, of the fields right now that we can split them on the, put them on the same side of the draw and in the same group because you have a Rory, Speed, JT kind of trio to to carry the other half of the draw. Like, I know that's, I mean, that's probably exactly the talking point they want me to say, but, uh, it, also, it does speak to the depth. I mean, also there's like Poulter, Rose, Fleetwood, Watson, Johnson, Kepka. Um, yeah. You know, like, Crazy. yeah, it's not like that are the only ones there's, uh, in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's Reed, Ram, Matsuyama, day, dribble, dribble, well at Hoffman. Yeah. Day Stenson Garcia, you know, like that's nuts. There's a, there, the, I guess the, the pairings, like if you have all 50 of the top 50, like we do this week in a field, sure. you can, you can get pretty good. Cause I feel like the rankings go about 15 deep now. Yeah. So I, right before this, I was watching golf channel. It's a network on cable television. And they were saying, Brandel Chambly was saying, this is like the toughest test in all of golf. It's what the U S open used to be. It's the most like pure test it, you know, and then Duvall kind of joined him and saying like, you have to hit every club in the bag. You have to hit the shots both ways, like in consecutive holes. What do you think of that? And this is, this is like, I don't know if toughest test was the word he used. Cause that's like the, the tagline for the U S open, but like it's a test of what the U S open used to be. Yeah. I think it, it's the it's it's a fair test. It's not yeah. it's not overly penal. Like it, you have space to hit it. You it doesn't favor one skill. Like, I mean, I think the the U.S. Open everybody talks about with twenty yard wide fairways and an eight inch rough that you know there seems to be a growing contingent of people that want like that dictates who wins. Like a long hitter who hits it drives it well that week is going to win. Because if you have that really long rough, like, and a shorter hitter, let's just say like uh, Tim Clark a couple of years ago, who won the players, would have no chance at a U.S. Open because everybody's yeah. going to miss a fairway when it's 20 yards wide, and the shorter guys are going to be hitting four iron, and the long guys are hitting eight iron and nine iron. Like, that's so much different out of really thick rough hitting a four iron than an eight iron or a nine iron. The, the players, like, the average fairway width has got to be probably about 33 to 30 to 40 yards wide. Um, there's some really wide fairways. It requires you to move the ball. Like, you know, there are holes that it's a, a fade is preferred, a draw is preferred, but there's always width and there's always, you know, you could, the one thing I think that has been lost because of uh, technology, the ball and how far these guys are hitting it today is that it doesn't require as many drivers as it used to. So, it's not as much of a driving exhibition and 
And I think Brandel's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth in the sense that he wants the U.S. Open long and narrow because he says that a driver is the greatest skill and hitting it long and straight is the greatest skill in the in, in the game. Like Dustin Johnson might only hit like three drivers around at this course. Yeah, eight thousand yard golf courses. Yeah, I I I side with my man Bill Cora who says build them shorter and wider. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the architecture expert that you are, but I do love as like a fan and a consumer. I love having watching these guys having to hit the ball right to left, left to right, kind of hit a drive that's a draw, and then have to hit an approach shot that's a cut or something like. I, as a consumer, I love seeing that having to be done. I wish, like you said, there were a few more driver holes. I guess, but yeah, I, I love the, I, I love that as a consumer. Yeah, I mean, I, like there's it, the other thing about the the players and and sawgrass is like the the ideal angles. Like the strategy makes sense everywhere. Like if you play close to the hazards, you get the better angle, and then every you know yard off that line, you get a little bit worse angle. And it and it just like it, it, you know, die has like a innate ability, to just like kind of like the the flag hangs out there and it plays with these, you know, the world's best players ego. Like, you know, you sit and look at it and you, these guys know they can hit these shots. And if you don't pull it off, you end up making a double. But if you do, like if you chicken out though, like if you play away from the flags, you end up with really tough two putts and, and the angles of the greens where you can have like, if you miss pin high and you aim 10 yards right, you might be down in, in a swale runoff area, whereas a lot of courses like the surrounds of the greens are really benign and, and pretty boring. Like, you know, like one that jumps to my mind is like Memorial. Is it, There's so much thick rough around the greens that the ball just stops if you miss the green. So you're only going to end up like a couple yards off the green versus Sawgrass, you know, they have those runoff areas where the ball runs away and, and gets further away when you miss hit when you miss a, sh- a target or a shot. It's it's is it it's by far the best Florida course on tour. Not like you know Florida course overall, but oh. on, of the four on tour, was it four now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think anything is even in in the conversation of being close to as good of a a, a tournament course. It's I mean. When you think back to like when it was designed, I mean, the players' uproar was unbelievable. I think, unfortunately, the course has been tinkered with so much since its original design. Like it, it I, I the twelfth hole, the redesign of that, like last year, that was awful. I don't care what anybody says. Like the spin of it being like great hole, like you don't redesign a hole one year after you redesign it if it was really good. It was not a good golf hole, and. To me, like I think that that's an example of somebody trying to force a a hole design. Uh, we have to have a short par four, so we're just going to jam this in here because like everybody loves short par four, so we have to do it. And it doesn't fit with the flow of the golf course, in my opinion. Um, but that that being said, I it's we'll see what it is like this year. I heard they softened some slopes, but at the end of the day, I I and no disrespect to Steve Wensloff, but you're talking about a guy, Steve Wensloff designing a hole versus, you know, Pete Dye, who is the greatest architect of his generation. It just, it, it was last year. It was a clear, you, when you walk onto a hole and say, this doesn't belong, 
and that's kind of the feel of that whole along, you know, and just how the golf course has gotten commercialized and, and a lot, a lot more neat over the years. I think Jeff Ogilvie talked about it a ton on the podcast. So sorry, I'm rambling now. No, I'm loving this. Keep going. What did Ogilvie say? He was just, I asked him if he could redesign one golf course, it, it, you know, what would it be? He said TPC Sawgrass on the podcast. Right. And he was like, you know, that golf course could look like that scruffy Pine Valley look that you see with the sandy soil. And if you look at the original pictures from when it opened, that's what it looked like. It was really scruffy and the, it was the, a little the bit old more fo- uncapped. The old photos are amazing. Yeah, I've seen like that. The, yeah. These the have match. goats. They had goats uh, eating the grass, and they were on the roof of the clubhouse. And like, I mean, it was a jungle. The place was insane. So, what did they do to twelve for this year? They what did they do? So they extended the uh, bunker on the left. So now that bunker it used to really only come into play on the on the layup. I think if you pull one short of the green a little bit, it'll catch bunker instead of water. And then they flattened apparently the approach right in front of the green. That sloped to the left also. So if you hit that, it could roll in the water. Now that approach is flat. So if you hit it, you know, straight or with a cut and it lands on that approach, it won't bounce as hard left. So they did things to make guys hit more drivers. Is that what I'm hearing or no? They're just kind of trying to get away from that, uh, having it land on the green or near the green and roll off into the water. Okay. They, they listened to player feedback and then decided to make changes that fit the player feedback, which I would liken to allowing the inmates of a prison to say, hey, this is how we would like the prison run, and we're going to run the prison this way. <laughs> it's, it's the players' championship at the players' tournament course <laughs> and the players' tour. Like, so I guess that's kind of so what they get to do. It's, if something's deemed unfair, it will be changed. <laughs> but I, I I think uh we'll see what it's like. I, I just I I don't I don't know. The amazing thing is Golf Digest gave it the redesign of the year and then the next year that redesign was is being redesigned again. <laughs> now now we are in the, the meat and potatoes of this podcast. I kinda kind of enjoyed the main course here. Uh no I I, there was a redesign of the year award. Yeah, they won the redesign of the year, the TPC Sawgrass, and it was announced, and then shortly after, it was announced that the 12th hole was being redesigned again. Is there a restoration of the year? Yeah, I think there there's a restoration of the year. I'm not sure. I, ca- I can't remember who won the other awards. That's the only one that really stuck out in my mind. Was, gotcha. So, it's... Uh, the, I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you crown the uh, crown sawgrass. You know, the they read all the golf courses in the world that did redesigns, and one did a one hole redesign that was changed over, and they won redesign of the year. There so, were some other changes. I mean, they they were minor, but there were some other changes. Yeah, they had that back tee on uh, what is it, fifteen? Fifteen, and they took out that that mound between six and seven, which is pretty cool, but. Yeah, I mean, they cleaned up some... The big thing was they cleaned up some areas. So it just gets, you know, Bermuda courses get kind of shaggy and lose their angles, and they just kind of brought back some of that die geometry, I guess. Just kind of sharpened up some of those angles. I I love... uh, You know, this is the perfect example of, like, having a regular course 
as the championship course. It's just like the Masters. Like everybody knows the finish, 16, 17, and 18. And that's like why the Players' Championship is must must watch TV on Sunday. Yep. That's what that's. Yeah, that's what I was going to go into kind of as a, from the consumer perspective, not necessarily the guy who's maybe picking up on all the architectural subtleties like you. Um, it is like you can bank on it. You know the course. You know those holes. You know the top 50 in the world are going to be there. That's the thing that kind of bugs me about this, to the players a little bit, is like I use this analogy off you know, on some text with some friends last night. It's like it's like a cook who's got like this perfect like a great like piece of meat, like a great steak or something. Great piece of meat. You got the top fifty in the world, insane field, best field of the year, on a recognizable course that like fans know and whether they love or hate, they know it. And they have history with it. But then like you just like the tour just does things. They've got this piece of meat and they just start throwing all these crazy spices that don't go together and over season the hell out of it. And like it dominates the taste. Like you just have all these things around it that on the ground. And I wrote this last year. Like it's awesome. It's like a, it's like a really fun party. It's a totally different vibe from the Masters. Obviously, everything is a different vibe from the Masters. But and it's cool. They they embrace that. Like I enjoy the party, the party atmosphere, and like the kind of this is like a festival. Let's have fun. And there's also golf happening. But like from afar as someone like watching on TV and taking it in, it's like, there's just a little too much. Like they have a great product here, a good piece of meat. They don't need to kind of throw everything on it and and dominate the taste of what should be an event with all the best in the world, the biggest purse and on a course that's kind of, that's recognizable. And we have history with. I would agree with that. It kind of ties back into our original discussion about whistling straights beautiful piece of land and they just did way too much to it you know it's uh it's the same thing i think i think just like if they if you just allow the tournament to speak for itself it would have like ascended into its spot as considered a major like a, a fifth major but trying to force something in it's like it's like trying to convince somebody if if you tell somebody that this that my idea is the greatest idea in the world, they probably are going to have more restraint and opposition towards your idea. But if you convince somebody to think that it's their idea, that it's the, you know, the fifth major, they're probably going to run with it and bang that drum, you know, and other people are going to follow them because it wasn't their idea, you know, but by, by forcing, you know, the idea down people's throats, it kind of backfired on them. So I will, I will, <laughs> I will vouch for like the experience on the ground. I think I it's great. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and I would encourage everyone to go. And I think like them trying to do all sorts of different stuff from the food trucks to whatever activation here or there is fine. Like I'm fine with that. And they want to make it um, as different an experience for the widest, you know, net of people there. That's fine. But I just think like the presentation from afar, watching on TV, watching on the internet and consuming it, uh, like the stuff on the internet just gets like a little bit too much. It's a great product. Let it speak for itself. I'm kind of so. sad that there's no uh, blog cabin this year. I was thinking uh-huh. this time last year we were playing the ZV shootout. <laughs> the the Oak Bridge shootout. Yeah. 
And not to uh, not to also like you know t- speak up for the tour again here, but like I don't know that they like are really jamming the fifth major thing down our throats. I think it's more like that's like what Golf Channel needs to have a panel on that, and the writers need to have a panel about it. Is it a fifth major? Is it not a fifth? I don't know that like I think there was probably an era when the tour wanted to like jam it in there as a fifth major, but I think like now they're like that's just like a media debate that exists it's interesting going back and reading old players stories from like 82 and like there were columns all the time i don't even know who brought it up if it was writers or i think it was more writers and players it was like but that was a talking point back in like 82 it's like when i saw that alistair mckenzie was saying the ball was going too far and i'm like man we really just have the same arguments over and over, <laughs> over again uh no matter what they're about but i think it was just a thing that people were considering it you know when it went to sawgrass or to tbc sawgrass and they decided there should be four and not five. But I think it was just something that was people were considering as the players kind of grew in prestige, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Everybody make their picks. Then we're, uh, we'll get out of here on some overrated, underrated. Uh, go ahead. You got, wait, who'd you pick again? Shambo, all the way to the bank. You're taking him to win. Wow. I'm all in. I might wear a Hogan cap to the course. Oh, man. A Puma, a Puma Hogan cap? I, might, I think now I'm going to go Wednesday to the first-timers presser and try to get just deep in his process. I just want to hear what he did oh. to prepare for this test. That would be instead great. Of your, instead of your phone, you should take your laptop out on the course. Just pretend like you're punching in data. Like Do that little one-arm hold, hold like your server carrying a tray. Just type it in numbers, following it in. That like probably would intrigue him. Charts. Oh yeah, get it, make it a surface. You, you know, know, make it so it's all make it like all it. On brand. Hey, and get some make, AR on the course. And Sean, reality, make it seem like it's uh, his idea to come up and talk to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I I like Stenson. Uh, Sean stole my thunder there a little earlier. I I think you know. It's obviously one here that was before he kind of ejected from pro golf there for about a year. But, uh, yeah, I love Stenson. You know, he's t- taken the whole month off since the Masters, but uh, played the Florida Swain well, played Houston well, played the Masters well for a guy who'd never really played the Masters all that well. So I, 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 I like Stenson with his course history here and, you know, his form. I love how Stenson – sets his schedule and is so like you know he doesn't care about skipping a wgc event you know if if he wants a month off he takes a month off you know yeah it's uh, i i got casey i i I forgot we even talked about all these already (laughs) um all right so is stenson a hall of famer yeah yeah i like it yeah he's fedex cup like medal or silver medal historic open like i mean i think like the way that open went down too I, I know that they don't really look at it that way probably but yeah the way he won the open a fedex cup the players he's almost got 20 worldwide wins race to dubai championship or whatever they call it yeah yeah no i'm in favor i just was curious for other people's opinions i'd be interested to you know that he he's an interesting guy because he's one of those guys that lost his game like twice 
Yep. You know? Yep. Where he fell off a... You know, Westwood lost his game, too. <laughs> he could be coming back from his second time losing his game. I follow Westy on Instagram, and it's just... It's it's him in the gym, and then it's him having a cocktail. And there's not very much golf sprinkled in between, which is fine. I mean, live your life. I'm not being critical, but it's just always him in the gym, and then him having a cocktail. I know, or eating something. Yeah, that's true. It's like he, he he's a big foodie, loves loves a cocktail. Then he gets the gym the next morning. You know, <laughs> he doesn't need to work on the gym. He, you know, he hits the ball good regardless. Yeah. So it's just shame he's not there this week. All right, overrated, underrated, sixteen through eighteen. Um, God, it's hard to say it's underrated for because I mean. Lord, the Island Hall. But uh, I think it's underrated. I love it. I mean, I think like, I think because I think because all the shine and run and publicity goes to 17, you kind of lose 16 and 18. Like we don't, we know what they're all about, but you have a par five, a par three and a really tough par four. Um, I think it's, I think it's underrated. I think it's awesome. It's an incredible finishing stretch. And like the island hole is just a piece of that, you know. I, I think sixteen is a f- such a fun hole to watch. You can make an eagle if you get, you know, you pull something crazy off on your second shot. And an eighteen, I think, is it makes <laughs> makes you hit two great shots to make a par. I love it. I'm gonna agree with Brendan. I think too in talking to guys about March. One of the cool things is the wind actually shifts a lot more in March, and so you'll get days where 17 is going to be into the wind, which yeah. those were the days when it was like carnage. Um, and I'll, and I wrote my big carnage. <laughs> my uh, big story for the week on 98 and Len Matisse, and like that kind of finish is only possible this week. So I'm going to go underrated. Yeah, I, I'm going underrated too. Uh, 17 is overrated, but six, sure. 16 and 18. What I like about it is you can make birdie. And in the case of 16, eagle on either hole. But you could also make like a double, triple, or, you know, we've seen 10s on number 17. So I would say uh, I'd say it's underrated. I think 18 is a really good hole, too. I know it's distance. That's another one where distance kind of hurt it a little bit. But yeah, um, that's that's a good good golf hole. Um, all right. So uh, how, about, uh, how about Xander Shoffley? He's ranked 25th in the world. 29th is he underrated overrated go ahead sean i'm gonna say overrated i think you know you get when you get on heaters and everything seems to be going right it's really easy and i think that um i am surprised by what's happened i think when he started the year with like a third in uh malaysia you know it just showed that he was going to keep rolling and he's been pretty consistent like he's only missed one cut this year uh, he's got a couple top tens, finished ninth at Riviera, which shows he can play architecturally significant golf courses. <laughs> but I don't – I mean, it just – we haven't seen – I mean, Greenbrier and Tour Championship, we haven't seen – you know, he played well at the U.S. Open, obviously, but I – he was on a heater there, but I, I need to see – you know, we need to see another win here soon, I feel like. I feel like when he won the Tour Championship, we were thinking this is a guy who's going to win two times a year. Uh, I think he he became overrated among like the hipster. He became like the hipster golf choice. 
you know, as the, the X man, that doesn't mean I don't love him any less. I like the guy. Um, he's not really been a factor though, since what the Florida, uh, the California swing, West coast swing. Not he really. Was like the, he was like the dark horse of the class of 2011. Cause he was in that, but he stayed all right. four years. He went to a smaller school, didn't play a ton of AJGA. And so I, that's where I think your take, I agree with that, but Western am champ. I mean, you're really like forcing our hand here. Say, I mean, that's the point of overrated, underrated. Yeah. It feels wrong to call him overrated, but I think like it did. he became, he became like kind of the the, you know, taste soup of the day there for the hipster crowd. But I don't know. We so I think Ryder Cup, and I mean that's he's got got a lot of work to do there to make that team. Yeah, I I think yeah. he's underrated. You know why? Because he didn't even play in the players last year. Sure. Now he's back. Like Neither did think, Bryson. About, think about that. He wasn't even in the players last year. You know, he, we haven't even hit the stretch where he he peaked last year. So we got a lot of golf left. Maybe he he doesn't get warmed up maybe until the summer. And he's already notched uh, you know, a top 10. He's only missed one cut. Underrated. So is it him him or him or Bryson, low rookie. Uh, Bryson. I mean, well, Bryson won. I mean, Xander could finish too, but Bryson's <laughs> Bryson's all the way. I'm I'm so on the Bryson train. If I if if I hadn't already picked Bryson in my one and done league, I would be picking Bryson this week. The thing I hate with overrated underrated is like Xander could win, you know, in three weeks, and now he's got three wins. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, how could we ever doubt Xander? What idiots we were! That's the jo- that's the beauty of it. It's that's the devil. That's why I took underrated, so I can look genius. back and say. You guys are idiots. <laughs> I still think he's good. I just, I mean, he might not win this year. And we were thinking, you know, this is going to be like an annual occurrence. Uh, winning is so hard. It is. And overrated. W- overrated winning. What about Taco Lou? Overrated, underrated. Uh, amazing. The, <laughs> I mean, it, I love it. Now, it definitely doesn't lack publicity, but I'm going to go underrated because I still think... Eighty-five percent of the listeners don't know what it is, but the the Taco Royale is. I mean, it's amazing. I go there just to get that. Eight three of those. Uh, I w- I've only been there once. I'm not a Jacksonville resident, but um, I went there once. Sat with Luke Guthrie, I think, and DJ Pihowski, Chris Solomon, all friends friends of the friends of the pod, pod. and it was incredibly enjoyable experience and a great meal. So I think it's underrated, but. Tweets about Taco Lou, extremely overrated. I don't need to hear about Taco Lou. Yeah, like, like Sean was saying, you know, not a, you know, we don't need to hear about it. Nobody else knows about it other than you tweeted about it. No one's been there. Your followers haven't been there. You don't need to talk about it. So it's a great place. It just doesn't need to be, you know, tweeted the about pro- all day. The problem is social media just overrates everything. Everything becomes overrated because of social media. <laughs> Because everyone jumps on the bandwagon, they got to make content to prove that they were there, you know, before it got big, and and it's just this is all social media. This wouldn't even be a segment of your podcast, wasn't for social media. I'll tell you what, if if I uh, if you take Taco Lou out of Jacksonville and you put it into Chicago, it probably wouldn't be a top twenty taco place. Overrated (laughs) (laughs) place stinks. Wow, (laughs) jeez. But it's hard for me to <laughs> go ahead. But that's the the thing. If you if you take it out, put it into a great taco scene, it's not anything special. And what are you base? How many times have you been there? 
twice. Oh, okay. One, I yeah, went, I, one time went to their, I went to their stand. I don't know if I can really count, count that. That doesn't out. count. <laughs> well, you hear about the stand, you know, nonstop all week. They, they, have the an, they have an underrated brunch. I will say that. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> brunch might be overrated. Like, I've never yeah, had no. a bad brunch. Does bad brunch exist? Had, I don't know if I've ever had brunch. You never had brunch. Now, <laughs> I don't think so. You've never a, eaten breakfast at a, at a later time in the day. I wake up at five a.m. So lunch is eleven a.m. At eleven a.m. is lunch. It's not brunch at that point. Have you uh, ever had breakfast food for lunch? I've had breakfast for dinner. Once you have a kid, too, man, you got to eat when they're hungry. So you can't be waiting around until 11 to have your breakfast. They'll lose their minds. You know, Sean, next time we're in the same city, we're going to go get brunch together. Shinny? A little, little Long Island brunch? Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. I would love it. That Hamptons brunch crowd would be quite the introduction <laughs> to the brunch scene for Sean Martin. You know? That's like, you know, playing the tips at, you know, whistling straights and you're a 36 handicap, never played golf before. You're just throwing them right into the Hamptons brunch scene. That, that might have, be a little, a little we intense. Have, we can't have too many mimosas before I got to write about Bryson's U.S. Open win, though. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's, uh, we're going to end it on that note. And uh, All right. we'll have a Taco good... Taco yeah. Savage. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not making friends in the Jacksonville area. No, not allowed back in Duval County. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. uh, All right. Have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Andy. Later. Thanks. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.